Welcome to Tag Me, a social media podcast. We'll be connecting with your favorite people and brands on social media to share their tips and best practices with you. My name is Audrey, and in this episode, we'll be learning social media tips from the founder of storytelling and content agency, Madison Utendahl. If you're interested in her social media tips, stay tuned. Madison's Instagram handle is linked for you in the episode notes. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's learn a thing or two about social media from Madison. She's been creating narratives since she worked in the entertainment industry and used her storytelling skills to transition into the social media industry. She helped build the online communities for 29 Rooms and Museum of Ice Cream. She is currently head of content for Emergency Kit Judy. Let's welcome Madison to the Tag Me podcast. Hey. I'm so excited to share all the cool things that you've done in the digital and social media space. Can you explain a little bit what you have going on in the social media space? Yeah, for sure. So um, I've been very, very fortunate in my career to have been on the founding teams of a couple amazing uh, cultural phenomenons that have very much informed who I am and my career and my path. First was um, last week's night with John Oliver, which is a show on HBO. Uh, then went over to 29 Rooms, which is Refinery 29's experiential industry or an event. Um, and then I'm a founding partner of Museum of Ice Cream. Um, but I left Museum of Ice Cream about a year and a half ago to build up my own business. So I'm no longer a part of Museum of Ice Cream, but it definitely was a massive, massive learning experience for me and one that really was a catalyst for me to be able to build what I have now. Um, and I'm the founder of Udendahl Creative, which is my own social media strategy firm. It's female-led, female-founded. And uh, it's been a really amazing journey. It's like, I like, I, I go back and forth actually that I called it after my last name because I am not, it's not about me at all. I don't have a company without my team. You know, there's no agency without them. So with the origin of me deciding the name Mutant Doll Creative, my, I, my dad was telling me how he noticed like a lot of men give use their last names for their firms, right? You'll have law firms that have like, it's like Johnson and Walker and Thomas and and Smith and Co. Traditionally, women feel like they have to name their businesses something that's, that removes their gender in order to be taken seriously. So they'll call it like Sunshine and Co. Like, you know, with me services, when technically we should just own our identities and names and and step into them in the same way that men do with confidence and, 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 you know, full affirmation that our work can stand on its own. So I decided I'll make it after my last name. I, I love that. I freaking love that. Yeah. I love that there's so much meaning into it. So one of the things I really admire and I look up to you for in everything you do, you're such a oh, light okay. on social, um, is that you do everything, it feels like, with extreme intention. And mm-hmm. you can really see that in your work. So I'm excited to talk about all the things you've done. Let's start with how did you get started in this yeah social industry how did you get started as a social media creative director all the things yeah you know I actually have an unconventional path when it comes to social I started my career in film and tv I mean I really started my career even before HBO I was a production assistant on Project Runway like really went I definitely pulled my pulled my weight and what it means (laughs) but what I did learn there was like the power of crafting a narrative around subject matters that were really difficult to understand So that was like my, has been the most foundational understanding of how to craft a narrative. And from there, I went to Refinery29 as a producer and then as a creative associate to um, Pierre Gilardi, who's the founder. And it was at Refinery that I realized the same narrative skill sets I had learned last week's night could be applied in marketing and that there was a deficit in 
and there's a massive disconnect in marketing, specifically in social with storytelling. Mm-hmm. We were, we were trying to teach people things through our social platforms, but we're not actually creating content that allowed for people to emotionally connect. Um, and it was when I was at Refinery29 that I realized there was an opportunity to merge this film, traditional film narrative that anyone who goes to film school, like I did, you under, you learn how to craft that hero's journey and apply it to social media. Um, so that's really how I got there. Um, when I was at Refinery, a former colleague of mine uh, reached out and asked if I wanted to join the team. And at the time, it was a side hustle and working two jobs, working there and working at Refinery29. And eventually, we made enough money where I could go full time. And I joined full time and was there for two years and grew those channels and learned so freaking much. So and you grew those channels by using your narrative skills. Yeah, exactly. I, I basically, I was like, you know, here I am, this New Yorker who's lactose intolerant, who doesn't own anything pink. Like my goal every single day was <laughs> how the hell do I convince someone like myself to want to go to this? Mm-hmm. Because I, I wouldn't have gone, right? Like <laughs> there's no way if I hadn't been a part of it, I wasn't going to go because it, I didn't fit that personality type. I was so off brand. Mm-hmm. And so as a marketer, I kept my objective every single day going into work was like, how do I get me to want to go? And I knew the only way I could get me to want to go to something like this was if I created a sense of emotional depth, right? That would draw me in. And so I developed this strategy based upon all the emotional tenets behind ice cream, comfort, rejection, love, reward, heartbreak. And there's so many layers of reasons why people choose to eat ice cream. So the, the stories we started telling really were rooted in that. And then after two years there, I was like, heck, if I can do this with something I don't even eat, what could I do if I was actually passionate about these brands right you know what I mean like if I can if I can do this with ice cream like fuck I should be able to do this with anything uh-huh sorry I have two I dogs love, in my house we love the dogs in the background listen okay well. we're all recording remotely we're adjusting to the times there may yes, be some noise yeah. in the background and we're just gonna roll with it we're gonna keep we're gonna, going. <laughs> we're gonna keep going but yeah, I yeah. love so much that you shared and highlighted the importance of storytelling on social media. Yeah. If you can get someone to emotionally connect with a product or service, then you've just got yourself a lifelong customer. Com- not even cust- yeah, yeah. A customer, but and community, a completely. community member. Because that's yeah. really what I think people are aiming for right now is they want to build an online community because, you know, for brands, ultimately, they see every community member as someone who's going to be a customer, but how do you acquire a customer to be, instead of just buy something once, how do they tap into this lifestyle or community that you're offering them? How do you start with creating um, ideas for content that Mm -hmm. engage emotionally with people? Just to quickly go back to what you just said, I couldn't agree with you more. It's about a marathon and not a sprint when it comes to building your audience. And while one-time acquisition might have value for your bottom line, it's not going to be long-term if you're not Mm -hmm. thinking of a sustainable model that gets people to believe that you see and hear them. So you might get a customer or get someone who follows you based upon a, you know, beautiful ad that you throw out or a a pretty post. But if you can't follow through with content that's engaging and supportive and emotional, then when I feel like unfollowing, I'm going through my follower account and I'm just like, Oh my, I'm unfollowing you. Mm -hmm. Right. I'm not going to buy your product again. And that's something that so many brands have to come to terms with, especially now, because our consumers are more conscious of their dollars than ever. 
So if you have the option to buy a water brand that is a big conglomerate that's pushing ads on you or a small water brand that's talking about the emotional power that water provides, you're going to make that decision. Even if you have to spend more on that smaller brand, just because you feel like they see you. Right now, I think we're all at the point where we already follow so many brands and people. Why do I want to follow you? Like, are you educating or entertaining me on another subject that I'm passionate about? Right. Yeah. But what I think what happens is that brands forget about that the consumers have choices, Mm -hmm. right? And that we have a sensibility and we're hypersensitive right now. And it's a matter of like, are you genuinely in my, in that moment of decision that I'm about to make, do I feel that you care about me? Do I feel that you're thinking about this purchase I'm about to make? How are you getting me to cross that finish line? And also to not only just buy, but to follow and continue to buy through time. Mm -hmm. And I think so many brands are so short-sighted when it comes to that. Um, But to answer your question, you know, for me, the biggest thing in terms of the process of how I encourage brands to think differently is that in asking them to shift their metrics. So most brands are thinking about, you know, likes and follows when the reality is, is that we know very clearly that this is passive engagement. Liking accounts, following accounts are no longer considered active engagement because we, we partake in these things very passively. But if you start to look at your content and saying, are people saving this content or sharing this content? Then it means that that content is resonating with people, right? It's an elective choice to save something. If you even step back further, why am I saving this? I'm saving this because this has some value to me that I'm either going to refer back to or as a source of inspiration or it's something I want to send to somebody else. If I'm sharing it, it means it's it's most likely brought me a sense of humor. It's it's something that has inspired me. It's something that's made me think. And therefore, I want to share that with people in my community digitally. If your content is not being saved or shared, it probably is actually not doing the job. Right. And Because you're not thinking about emotion and human empathy. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you are just missing out on an opportunity because you're just thinking about that one-time sale. I think it's important to create a relationship, like a dialogue, not just yes. being, but engage and talk about Ready, Set, Judy. So Judy is an emergency preparedness brand. Um, they specialize in creating emergency kits for household size, depending on where you are located. So most emergency kits are one size fits all, and they're not actually designed around what your needs are. So my emergency kit as somebody in New York is very different from yours. However, the traditional emergency preparedness brand would send us the same things. When I don't actually need to be prepared for an earthquake and you don't necessarily need to be prepared for a hurricane. So the origin story for Judy is actually uh, rooted in climate change and how natural disasters are increasing at higher levels. Our timing for launch, you know, was very coincidental in that, you know, who would have thought we would have launched an emergency preparedness kit at the height of a pandemic. (laughs) So I guess I can't take any credit for everyone's like, Oh my God, look at what you built. I'm like, let's just be real. Also, like this is a pandemic and it's an emergency preparedness brand. So I'm not going to sit here and have that much of an ego. But we can also acknowledge the content that you created, the story that you've created and how you executed that on social. Definitely. And where that, where I had to, my team and I had to think fast is the danger of launching an emergency preparedness kit at the time that we did, which was January 28th, right before this all happened, is that it's also could have easily been encouraged to or been written off as being disrespectful 
inconsiderate and alarmist. Mm. And one strategy we quickly implemented with on social was that we we sat down and we said to ourselves, this kit has no value if I'm not emotionally and mentally prepared. How do we get people to feel that we see them and hear them and are empathetic? And it's by empowering them and saying, actually, the sale of the kit is third. It's first educating people as to what preparedness means, reminding them that there's emotional and mental preparedness comes before physical preparedness. You can buy a kit. You can have every kit you freaking need in the world sitting on your kitchen table. But if a disaster or something happens and you emotionally don't have the tools to take a second, step back and learn how to breathe and close your eyes and say your mantras, that kit has no value because you'll do everything you're not supposed to do. You'll run out of your house and chick a chicken with your head cut off because mm-hmm. you don't know how to center yourself. And so we took this quick drastic shift and said, you know what, moving forward, we're just going to create content that's empathetic. We're going to create content that people want to save and share because it's about em- emotional and mental preparedness. And then we're going to hope that based upon that insight, they'll say to themselves, I feel seen and heard and therefore I want to buy into this brand. Mm-hmm. And that's I the strategy we, we moved quickly on and it's it's working and it's also very genuine. Mm-hmm. my team and I, it's been very therapeutic for us to have to create this content and to do our homework and under, it's been hugely, it's a, it's a grounding exercise for us to have to sit and research and talk to meditation instructors and learn about what it actually means to calm your mind and soul during moments of extreme anxiety. Um, mm-hmm. and so it's been an honor to see that it's resonating with other, other people because it's so genuinely resonating with us and, and just the content creation side too. What is your advice right now to your clients for speaking to topics they were talking about before this situation happened and what's going on now? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'm curious about your answer too. I would say it's about finding a balance. Look, like the reality is, is for a new brand or a young brand, you have to still you got to still sell product. And we understand that you have, I mean, people have to, it doesn't just because you start storytelling with your content doesn't mean you stop posting about your product. It's about striking a balance and saying, okay, if I have a schedule of content and I post seven days a week, how many days am I talking about product? How many days am I talking about or putting out infographics and visuals that are, uh, that speak more to the energy and the community side versus the product sales side. So step one, I would say like, find that balance that's appropriate for you. Don't lose sight of the power of infographics, but also like, yes, you definitely need to sell your product mm-hmm. in those product pushes. I think step two though, is like really deep down, ask yourself, is this copy and this visual sensitive to this time that we're living in? You can still encourage sales without being tone deaf, mm-hmm. right? You know, I've seen a couple ads whose brands I won't say, but I've read articles about these ads being highly crucified of them being like, the time is now shop. You never know what's going to happen. Like what? No, that is not how you market in a pandemic versus a brand that's saying, you know, you're at home for X amount of time. If you feel, if you want to feel more comfortable, our X fabric for our sweatpant is like the perfect fabric for like lounging around for mm-hmm. working from your bed, whatever. There's a way to speak to these things that are not doomsday and not alarmist and not toned up. I have unfollowed multiple accounts that have posted fashion posts and the captions have been like quarantine chic, you know, or, to me, that is like, 
the most insensitive, disrespectful caption you can put about a product post. Yeah, I understand you're a fashion brand and you have to sell your product. It, it, it does not acknowledge the immense sense of privilege that we have as people who can stay at home right now. Mm-hmm. So the idea of posting something that's in quarantine chic is like completely disacknowledging the fact that, that if you can actually quarantine, you're coming from a place of privilege. Mm-hmm. Versus if the caption was about, you know, it's a, I mean, one thing that I've been having fun with is I love that people are dressing up for dinners with their families at home, right? What if the caption was about like Thursday night dinner because you ain't got nothing else to do? You know, uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, like that's a way more engaging, funny, relatable product push. What would you be your advice to someone who has no social media experience? Um, what platform would you suggest would be the best to join if they could only focus on one right now? Mm, great question. Um, I think it depends on resources. Um, so if you have somebody who can support with the development of a social account, so either you have right now, graphic design is winning on social. So, you know, we don't have the opportunity and flexibility to go places to shoot original content. So if you have access to a graphic designer or you yourself have graphic design skills, then I would say Instagram is a great place to start as a brand. I would say if you are uh, about becoming a resource but not necessarily a hyper visual or creative brand i think linkedin has a lot of power right now because people are looking for edutainment on linkedin probably more than any other platform um and if you have the space to get weird and just to go for it get on tiktok just (laughs) get on tiktok and let's just say you are a hyper creative who doesn't really want to be front-facing um, in any capacity, doesn't have the budget, rightfully so, to hire, um, but are really a hyper-visual brand. Like Pinterest is a lot of power. I would say the brand platform right now, that I, the two that I'm like, I think you get lost in as a new brand are Twitter and Facebook. Um, I think they're really hard, really hard to break into right now um, because of their pace. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's the first step is saying, okay, what are the resources I have available to me? Who am I as a brand? What's my, in my brand DNA? Am I selling a product that is visual? Am I selling a platform or resource or my, you know, fintech company, or am I actual like a tangible D2C brand? And from that, deciding which platform makes the most sense for you. I, a pet peeve of mine, I say this to people all the time, do not launch on every platform just to say that you have those platforms. Acquire the handle. But if you, it, I mean, it makes no sense, right? Because yeah. what ends up happening is you just post the same content on all of these platforms. Yeah. And then, if, and then if I'm a consumer and I can just go on your Instagram account and see the same thing I'll see on your newsletter that I'll see on your Facebook page, I'm not going to follow all three. So if you, if you don't have the resources to launch broadly, mm-hmm. stick with one, do it really well, play with it, A-B test and just try to own it as best as you For people or brands who cannot afford a graphic designer, do you Mm -hmm. have any apps you would recommend where someone could take a picture and create some good visuals without having to pay someone? My favorite graphic design app, if I don't have access to a graphic designer, is Unfold. Um, I think Unfold is great. Um, It allows for... everyone to feel and like as if they do have a whole graphic design team it's really user-friendly and i'm a big fan i think visco is great and snapseed are two just very simple photo editing apps that can really spice up a photo that you would not have thought 
or that you're not like loving. So like I'm not a professional photographer and it will end up, you can play around with it and have some fun with it. Um, those are the three that I think of immediately that we use. Definitely. What is your advice for brands struggling to create captions? Do you have any like inspo that could help them? Don't overthink it. Simple, stupid. That's what I keep saying. If you're not funny, don't try to be funny. <laughs> I'm funny like this in conversation. My brain does not like every time I try to type something that's like punny or like Instagram funny, everyone's like, <laughs> so I've given up on trying to be funny on social. The answer is don't overthink it. And remember that simple stupid is often the best way to go. If you are a naturally funny person, let that come out in your caption writing. If you are not, the biggest mistake is trying to be funny with your caption writing. Call to action. Does every brand need to have one in every single post? I think Jay Shetty would say yes. Um, I think from a strategic standpoint, uh, the algorithm is geared towards engagement and comments in many ways. So the idea of typing, you know, tag this, comment this, uh, benefits you if it's genuine and authentic. I think Jay Shetty's account, though, is a great example of somebody who has found a way to work with the algorithm and also create content that feels genuine, right? Like he's saying, throw a heart in the comments and it's a deep post, right? Like he's not capitalizing on this algorithm just because he's, it's very thoughtful. So. Um, everyone look at Jay Shetty's account. <laughs> Jay Shetty. Um, and then for people creating their own content, do you have any apps or ways of banking content or strategize planning it ahead of time that mm-hmm. are either free or low cost? Yes. So I'm a big fan of Planoly. I love um, Planoly. Love, love. I think when you have the revenue as a brand to get to the big boys club and you can do Dash Hudson, wow. Dash Hudson is unbelievable, but it breaks the bank. So I think, <laughs> you know, it's like, come on. I, I, I always preface that. Like, if you can afford Dash Hudson, go for Dash Hudson. If you cannot, none of us can. So don't feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> what about platforms who can, pre- like um, Hootsuite and, yeah. um, you know, all those good things? Do you recommend any of those or what? Like who are Sprout. those good for? Yeah, I like Sprout. I would say it's not, they're not, where they're difficult, if you are a numbers person and someone who needs numbers to understand performance and success, then I would say Hootsuite and Sprout are great. Um, If you are a more visual person who who cares more about like how feed looks, um, I think Later and Planoly are stronger for the creative types. Um, I think they're more user-friendly. from a project management management perspective, we use Monday.com, but I'm also a fan of Airtable. But if you're more numbers and analytical and not hypervisual, then my suggestion would be like going with an Asana as well. Okay, cool. Are there any topics we haven't covered yet? I know we're wrapping up soon that you want to go over related to social media or any tips you could provide people or brands right now, especially during yeah. this. I would say have patience with the process you know, understand that social is, is a beast and it really works in its own way and to not take things so personally because sometimes you can post a really good piece of content at a terrible time that worked for you 24 hours ago and it sinks and it's not that personal. Um, so you have to really be on social. You have to be agile. 
that is like the key to success on social is what works for you tomorrow might not work for you three days later. Mm -hmm. And we have to all as social creators and as anyone even as a just a personal consumer of these accounts understand that and realize that that's how these algorithms are designed. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. that you posted quote unquote bad content. The right. algorithms of these platforms are designed so that you keep posting. So if you mm-hmm. always have success, you're not going to return. From a business perspective, it's an ROI game. Mm. So that's something that I say to a lot of people is just like, you just got to keep it going. You got to keep it going. Talking about keeping it going, what is a good frequency for a brand to be posting or interacting on stories or just any of their platforms? 100%. It's a great question. I would say it also really comes down to um, what you have available to you. So if you don't have a team and it's just you, social can be uh, an incredibly exhaustive, overwhelming, and honestly can be quite nefarious. And all of a sudden you hate it. If that's how you feel, do not post every single day. Say to, say to yourself, I'm going to post four times a week and I'm going to really care about these posts and I'll post two stories and that's the cadence to which I can do this right now. Mm-hmm. If you have a team and you're not posting every single day and you have people on the payroll who are social media managers, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that the expectation though for, I'm just going to throw out some, like a swimwear brand to ask your, your, your social media manager to take both Saturday and Sunday to make sure there's a bespoke story since Instagram doesn't have an auto post feature yet for stories. That's not necessary. It's not a news channel. So I think we also be mindful of people's personal time and something that, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I have discussed before social is an incredibly reactive platform. It's one that working in social is all about creating your own personal boundaries. And otherwise it's a job that can happen 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But not everyone, it takes a long time to understand what those boundaries are. So as a brand owner, if you are not a news network, do not put that type of pressure on your team to be posting seven days a week with bespoke stories and in-feed assets. I I think that is just absolutely not necessary. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much. Thank you. All your social media knowledge. Wait, I have one pressing question before we wrap. Okay. So for brands, before they press post, what are some pre-posting questions they can go through and ask themselves to make sure that they're not tone deaf right now during this situation? Ask themselves, if I were to look at this on my personal channels, would I be offended? If you would be offended, think about that. If you wouldn't be offended, it's fair to, it's fair to check it, fair to go forth. Um, I would always say for me, the biggest thing is spell check. Spell, a lot of these social media platforms don't have spell check ingrained in them. The amount of errors of spelling I see on posts sometimes just like blows my mind because I'm like, no one ran spell check on this, right? Like, huh? what is this? Listen, I download it Grammarly, and Damn, so Grammarly I put my Planoly. Grammarly, Grammarly will catch it on my computer. It's incredible. Grammarly I can't even pronounce Grammarly. Grammarly. I know. Grammarly and Planoly. Like, come <laughs> on, why do they all have these weird names? Like, we just get something. <laughs> well, thank you so so much for giving us on tagging the podcast. I love um, everything that you shared, and I'm going to link all of your social media handles and okay. the website to your creative agency in the episode notes. So if you guys want to follow yeah. Madison and any of the other accounts she's created and built, check out the episode notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tag Me. If you enjoyed it, give us a shout out on Instagram at Tag Me Podcast. 
Let us know what you learned from the episode. Make sure to subscribe so you're always up to date on Tag Me episodes. If you have feedback on the podcast, guest suggestions, including topics, or you want to be a guest, visit us on Instagram at Tag Me Podcast and click the email button or slide in our DM. This podcast is for you, so please let us know how we can improve. We look forward to hearing from you and connecting with you on social. Don't forget to tag me.